0: The Intermediate Line advises a language and concept warning for the entire show. G'day, Rodney from Australian Fly Fishing Outfitters here. Really looking forward to this episode of the Intermediate Line podcast with Chris and Voltsy and a very special guest. Strap yourselves in, grab a beverage and let's have a listen. Bye.
1: This episode of the Intermediate Line is brought to you by Nervous Water. For all your premium fly fishing requirements,
0: please visit nervouswater.com.au And Beast Brushes, Australian-made brushes and dubbing, professionally graded natural materials, plus a full shop for all of your fly tying needs at beastbrushes.com. We, we pretty much could have had a podcast done already with what we've already ta- <laughs> spoken about. It's always the way go. we always burn these podcasts so hard in the intros when we're warming up. But anyway, oh, it's, re- it's recording me. now. Okay, cool. Are you ready for my radio voice? Let's hear it. <laughs> Welcome back, folks, to another episode of the Intermediate Line. And we're here, joined and blessed with the presence of our good friend, Nikki Mill. How are you, Nikki?
2: What's going on, guys?
0: I can only speak for vaults when I say not much upstairs. But um, <laughs> I, I could only speak pretty, pretty shiny Chris on the top, say,
1: you know. Yeah, I can only speak for Chris when I say there's not much going on downstairs.
0: Oh. <laughs> let's 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 keep
1: let's keep this about fishing.
0: Yeah. Fuck, I led with my chin with that one, hey? <laughs>
1: yeah, both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> thanks for joining us, buddy.
0: <laughs> you bet,
2: guys. Thanks so much for having me. I'm a uh, I'm a little shy and I don't like talking about myself, but I'm here and let's get this thing started.
0: Nikki, as you know, you know, when I flowed the idea past, you know, it was the idea of getting on to talk about yourself, you know, you're kind of, uh, although you, you know, you put yourself in front in your podcast Millhouse, um, to be seen more often than not. Um, but you know, we don't know a lot about you, mate. So I guess, um, you know, I, I in regards to, you know, your podcast, I guess I just want to open up by saying, you know, like these these stories that you guys have on the show and the, you know like this rich tapestry of characters that tell such gripping stories what well, make millhouse you know in many people's opinion arguably equal with our podcast as a worldwide phenomenon you know and i just wanted to say great job man you know thanks man i don't know if it's a worldwide <laughs> phenomenon but we, well, we, we have either.
2: fun we have fun doing it um you know the whole inception started where the best conversation takes place after the water, after the fishing day, when you're having a beer with your buddies, your mates, you know, and through my father, he knows so many influential people in the fly fishing industry and in the fishing industry in general. Um, and I was like, I just passed the idea on to my dad. I'm like, let's start a podcast and get these conversations on air and, and, and save for the rest of time. So we really kind of pride ourselves in, in saving the history of fly fishing but you know, before they're lost and before these great characters go away, we wanna we wanna preserve and save these stories. We wanna
0: I wanna get into that, and I guess um, <clears throat> you know when we listen to the Millhouse podcast, we see you know a relationship form on air between you know uh, the two people involved with the podcast. But you know, and and it's not it's not that far removed for people to know that you guys are a father and son. But you guys seem to have um quite a unique relationship for a father and son you know do you want to do you want to sort of just um set us up a bit of a foundation and just tell us you know what's your relationship like with the old boy
2: yeah i mean my father is my best friend he's my mentor um man we crack jokes about each other we're you know we're just we're best mates and uh ever since I was a little kid, I just gravitated towards fishing and golf and whatever my father wanted to do and liked to do. And my other brothers didn't, you know, they, they, I skateboarded, we wrote, we raced motocross, we, we did everything, but I really enjoyed, you know, hunting and fishing and, and doing stuff my dad loved to do. And, uh, you know, my, my dad used to take me bait fishing for tarpon and sharks and fuck whatever would bite. And I was all in, you know, even catching mullet with a cast net. I was just infatuated by it um but yeah i I, it's it's grown to more of a best friend relationship than a father son relationship Mm -hmm. and um shit now with this podcast i see him all the time and
0: fuck we just have so much fun together i I love that guy has the um has that dynamic changed as far as uh with this uh with the inception of the podcast and um you know being sort of a, a, a modern um you know former media uh as far as like you you guys would be i mean you guys have both got defined relationships within this but you know you guys would be you sound like i mean you're already best friends like you said but i mean is it is it you guys really well and truly on par in regards to the podcast
2: yeah we are we we definitely are we have some arguments and some disagreements i always like hey this is his line you know we we argue about something with the post-production or whatnot and he's like oh, i've had a tv show for for nine years <laughs> and i fucking i fished all over the world and i did this i'm like yeah but that was like a hundred years ago times have changed like i have <laughs> <laughs> i have some say in this too now like i it, it's kind of you know we both have our equal parts and and we both bring something to the table but we do argue about some little stupid things um but it works out great i'm Someone just wrote an article about, I don't even know, Millhouse or whatnot. But what I told them is I've never been jealous of my dad. Mm. Not once. I'm, I, I've never had a jealous bone in my body. I really admire everything he's done and um,
0: never been jealous. And it's just, it's worked out. It, uh, it comes across like that too, mate. It's, um... And I also want to compliment, compliment you for being um, sensitive to the Australian audience by using the word mate as well, Nicky. Um, yeah, you, it, you, see, you see how I threw that in? <laughs> yeah, it rolled off the tongue beautifully, you know. It, uh, it was really good. You can tell since the last show, like we did we did give you a bit of time to practice your Australian accent. But, you, you, you know, you obviously put a bit of time into it since, since last time, which I think was nearly a year ago, I think, was since we spoke to you and Andy, right? Yeah, that's Round right. What's that, mate? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful. Hey, uh, is this um, is this uh, Steve from Geraldton? on the phone we've got here? It's uh, sounds like it's a great accent, mate. You've really uh, nailed it. Thanks, mate. Neville from Neville from Noosa. <laughs> um, yeah,
2: you've I'm been cu- to Australia. I'm, cu- I'm, I'm very cultured, so I have to throw in the mate once in a
0: while. You've been to Australia before, haven't you? As well, you told us. I, I have. Yep. Yeah, I have. Yeah, that's um. Yeah, so you know, it's uh, you can see that we're all starving for tarpon here, right?
2: You know what's funny? I fished. Uh, we didn't get into this last podcast, but I fished. This was, what is it, Lizard Island? Oh yeah, yep, yeah. I fished Lizard Island, um, and that's about it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we. I think we caught like kingfish, or they look like our Spanish mackerel, or kingfish,
0: or something. Oh GTs. yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's right. You guys, what we call Spanish mackerel, you guys call king mackerel. Is that all? Is that right? Or yeah, no? that's right. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's um, that's 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 off Cairns, I believe, Lizard Island, in the vaults, around about there. Yeah, yeah, that's the
1: closest uh, city. It would have flown into Cairns. It's a wonderful place in the world. Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sorry to get off on a tangent, but yeah, no, that's, that's all right. I'm... We we are well known for our tangents, Nikki, and uh, you know, and I could tell you by now that after 135 episodes, we can go on seven or eight tangents. I will bring it back. At, at some point i love it and i'm gonna do it right now so like uh well speaking of the last time we had john you, you know when, when um andy was quoted in saying that 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 he considered you to be the creator of the show you know so i i i'm kind of interested in i mean you've sort of uh, touched on this a little bit but i kind of want you to expand on it because i was wondering uh one aspect of this potentially was that you might have grown up with these stories you know like you're hanging out with your dad he's, telling you did you know that one time this you know this dude did this and you know you might have been staring back in awe and 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 collectively just remember all this stuff but now you're in a position to you know catalog these um stories is that is that part of the catalyst to millhouse
2: yes it it definitely is I, i mean i like you said i touched on it a little earlier um i've been hearing these stories ever since i was a little kid and i just Especially with Billy Knowles, I mean, we interviewed Billy Knowles um, last year, I believe, um, and he just passed. Um, a really famous Biscayne Bay guide, uh, Joe Gonzalez, who was on our list to get this this spring, just passed. You know, and it's a it's a great way for their kids and their grandkids to you know go online and um, open up their podcast app and learn about their grandfather. You know, learn about what what these guys did to you know, improve and pioneer their fishery. I just think it was such a great idea. And, you know, to have some fun and some laughs and to drink rum and just kind of let loose and and have some fishing talk. That was kind of the catalyst to it all. Mm. And, um, it's kind of grown from there. I never expected it to get this big, to be honest with you. Um, not that it's, it's huge by any means, but it has gained traction and, um, we're rolling with it. Um, Mm. and so, yeah, uh, that that's kind of the the beginning of Millhouse.
0: Yeah. Okay. I wonder. Um. You know. If if there's been a line in the sand to the um to the quality or the flow of conversation since the introduction of alcohol into your shows. <laughs> it's nine a.m. over here at the morning, mate. So we can't really you know, <laughs> compare right now. Maybe well, Bloody Mary or something.
2: Yeah. So, some 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 guests. Um, they loosen up a little bit. That's for damn sure, <laughs> and um, they're willing to, to to go deep once they have a couple cocktails in them. And we want, mm-hmm. like my father always says, we don't want the the fucking, you know, where were you born? Who, where was your first fish caught? We don't want that conversation. We want to go deep and and talk about their personal issues. We want to talk about what they lose sleep over. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like yeah, and alcohol definitely brings a brings out those questions and brings out those answers to our to our
0: guests that's for that's for sure did you was there a time where you started with without it
2: you know our first sponsor was uh papas pilar which is a rum Mm -hmm. so we've always had it on the table and um we don't pressure anybody but if they want it it's a foot and foot away from them
1: how how would you describe i'm just going to get this is a tangent for you how would you describe um uh, Papa's peeler. What what style of rum is it? Is it a Caribbean? Is it a spice? Like what what's it
2: like? They have a they have a dark and uh a blonde rum and I'm not a fucking rum enthusiast, but it's good. And they <laughs> Sponsored <laughs> the show.
1: Kevin <laughs> <laughs> straight on the rocks. What's what's your favorite one Oh yeah, rum?
2: straight on the rocks. Yep. Straight on the yeah. rocks or a little uh dark and stormy, a little ginger beer and a little splash of
0: lime.
1: uh uh-huh, yeah, that's nice. I love that. It's yeah
2: it's good. Yeah, cool. And I,
0: I tell you, anytime I hear like um rum nerds start talk about their rum, you know, like I, you know, like I can appreciate it, but I'm like, eh. But when I hear someone go, you know, I'm not a rum fan too much, but it's fucking nice. Then I know it's a good drop. You know, I know that uh, I'm going to probably like <laughs> Listen, it. Listen, I'm
2: not going to bullshit you guys. I'm not going to like come up with just create a fucking yeah. This is a spicy coconut <laughs> rum from the
0: far reaches of. Uh, <laughs> fuck i don't know guatemala no it's, it's a good <laughs> rum and we drink it <laughs> oh you know what mate i would have loved to hear you bang on about the scents and the characters of the uh of the rum and the the vanilla notes from sumatran coconut and uh you know whatever but um but i'm glad you did it your way as well mate that's um that works well it's uh you know you guys do well for your for your spono there in that respect um you know that uh uh it's you know it's fr- it's it's um Front and center with uh, with every show and like you'd be you'd be pretty pretty dumb to miss it, that's for sure. So, you know, I'm sure you guys um have got the integrity to to not be pushing something that you wouldn't drink yourself. So that's um it's pretty good. That, I'm, I'm they owe us a bottle now, now, right?
1: I'm seeing if it's available here in Australia. <laughs> yeah. Um but That's a good here. question. I don't think it is.
0: Would would you like us to give you our address for them now that we've talked about it so much? Is that Well I'll send yeah. I'll send you a couple of bottles. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> We'll send you some uh, kangaroo tails or something.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Hey, uh Nikki. Uh, getting back to to the to the line of questions there, mate. Um, I'm interested to know your thoughts on. Um, I mean, assuming that uh, you know your dad felt the need to impart some of these stories on you from a young age, you know, um, and I'm assuming that. I mean, based on what you spoke, me, I don't think that's a bigger jump. Why do you think that? He felt the need, or, or thought it was important to, you know, discuss these stories with you. You know,
2: well, I don't think he sat me down and said, "Listen, kid, this is how it was." <laughs> you know, it was more like when we were fishing, he would tell me about stupid shit that would happen to him, or about you know the guys that came before him, or about mm. a bank or a flat we were fishing. He would say, you know, you know, Harry Spear used to used to take me here, and we caught. You know, two 10-pound bonefish on the last day of the spring fly, and or you know, this this used to be Steve Huff's favorite spot, and there's just these characters and these names would um, pollute my my brain. Like, who the hell are these guys? Like, because I think of my father growing up as as you know, he was the man. He was he was the guy that taught me everything, and for him to speak on behalf of who came before him with such high regard, um spiked my curiosity and i wanted to know more that's mm.
0: basically how it how it evolved um well, sorry Nikki, you keep going i apologize no no go ahead oh well I, was, I mean the 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 what i was thinking with in regards to that question was um you know starting out here in australia a lot of the stories that come across to us and i'm sure Voltz could agree with this they do they do seem to to stem from where you know, the area that, you know, gave birth to saltwater fly fishing, which is, you know, these guys that you're talking about on your show, you know, and, um, and when we, we speak, uh, when we speak to people that tell us the stories about those guys over there, it's always in a way of like, you know, like, you know, like you just said, like this person did this first, you know, and it's, um, it's always good to know, um, where, you know, where these beginnings come from. Otherwise, you know, you know, things get reinvented, they get, um, they get reshuffled and stuff like that. But, uh, Hmm. um, you know, I kind of wonder if like the same way, I mean, I didn't have a father who who did that, you know, like um, I just wonder if he thought it was important for your development um, as an angler or just to have this, this knowledge, I suppose, or um, well, this respect for for where it came from.
2: Yeah, a hundred percent. That's, that's basically it. I mean, um, the origin and the history of, of what came before us and, and who did it and who pioneered um, these tactics we're using today or were extremely important to my father and extremely important to pass it down to me because, you know, once I start started fishing more and I started developing a passion and a love for Thanks, the sport, he, he knew I was, I was
0: uh, going to be in this for industry
2: for, uh, for a long time. And he, he really wanted to No
0: worries. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it.
2: It's fucking hell, Chris. S- Sorry, guys. You um, heard
1: all of that, man. Holy shit. I've got a, uh, <laughs> so a career –
2: Courier at the door. <laughs> um, I, I, I do not know if that was part of the podcast trying to fuck me up I, or what. Nah, no, no.
0: I, I apologize, man. I, I got a as a courier at the door. Like, uh, uh, um, this is Miller workday for me here in uh, my office. <laughs> no He's right worries, near the man. right near the front door, and he wasn't going away until I just, um, you know, had conversation with him. Unfortunately, That's, so no, that,
2: no. worries. Long story short is, uh, just what you said <laughs> is is, is, <laughs> is <It's laughs> fuck man. That was good. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry,
3: no.
1: That's it's does good. business, and and that's as nice as he gets to anyone. Thanks, mate. You know,
0: yeah. Anyway. I'm like, can you fuck off now? Yeah, fuck off, dude. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: anyway, next. <laughs> See month.
0: you in the NT. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: Sorry,
1: Nikki. Sorry. No, man. it's all good. It's yeah. Good. I I I did have a bit of an extension question on that. You know, yeah. um, um, <clears throat> you know. Obviously, in in its in its you know broader sense, history, you know our learnings from the past are the you know probably one of our greatest um, um, uh, you know point, pointers to the direction of the future as well. So, you know, um, in, in in a fishing in a fishing context, that you know that's so cool because we can we can see where um, you know pioneers have have you know come across challenges, how they've met them. You know, and and that could be in anything from tackle to fly to approach and, um, you know, tactics on on fish as well. And, you know, documenting all of that uh, and bringing it forward, you know, centralising it is so important um, because and you guys do it so well with the videos as well. You're taking, you know, you're taking information that people may have not even published in the past. And, and putting it in a format that everyone can, can see and understand and absorb is really good. And um, I just want to say thanks for, for taking the time to do that, guys. That's fantastic.
2: Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, we always wanted to incorporate video ever since day one. I mean, it's one thing to hear a heartfelt story, but it's another thing to actually see their emotions and see their face wrinkle and, and get teary-eyed. Like, that's, that's the juice. That's, that's
0: yeah. what we want to capture. Man, you guys. Um, oh man, Dave. Dave Bradley's calling me, Dave. If you're listening to this and you're ringing right now, I can't answer <laughs> the phone, dude. Um, <laughs> um, what was I going to say? So yeah, uh, mate. There must have been a time, right, where where you know you've had this idea walking around town, you know, just just listening to I don't know T Pain or something like that, and um, you know, uh, while this music's just coming through years, you probably thought to yourself, you know what, um. I'm going to start a podcast. So there must have been a time where you, you, know, you sat Andy down and gone, hey, um, i got this idea. Um, tell us what that conversation went, how that went. Yeah, I know that, uh, that moment very
2: well. It was, I, I, I flirted with that idea with my father for, I would say, two years before we actually started. And I told him about you know, what my vision for this would be. And uh, he always said, I don't want to go back to work you know, I, uh, I want to stay retired. I want to do what I want to do. I'm fucking tired of that. I don't want to go back to work. I said, dad, it's not going to be work. It's going to be chatting with your friends. And, you know, there may be a little bit of, um, uh, you may have to study a little bit for, for some sort of sort of guests, but it's just going to be chatting with your buddies over a beer, just like a day on the water. And, um, I flirted with that idea with him for a couple of years and Tom Roland, do you know who Tom Roland is? hmm yep, yep. Tom, came he- yep, exactly. Tom yeah. Roland came out yep, exactly. Tom Rowland came out with a podcast mm-hmm. and I was like, "Fuck, we got to do it. We have to do we, this is it. this is the time. we got to do it. And so I just started pur- purchasing stuff, and I didn't even tell him, and I started purchasing mics and I started purchasing headsets and all that stuff, and I was like, "We're doing this." And he kind of he was hesitant. And I said, let's you know, we we need to have a big name on first to establish us. And uh, he reached out to Steve Huff, who was the first guest on the podcast. Yeah, Yeah. and um, I think after that podcast, it gave him some juice. Where it was like, shit, there's there's some people listening to this, and there is some momentum. You know, he felt good about his work. He felt good about the podcast. He liked the idea um, of Preserving the, the fly fishing history, and it started to build on him. And from that day, he, he's all in. He loves it.
0: Hmm. So, was there? A, there must have been a, a point <laughs> that may have cracked a dry smile on your face, where he's going, "You know what, Nikki? Fuck it, you were right."
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, <laughs> I, I think after we did Steve Huff, the second podcast with with Tom Evans and Dean Butler, and and the third was Flip. Um, he saw the numbers, you know, he got phone calls. He started seeing texts, um, saying people saying how much they enjoy it. And it's just, uh, he started, I don't know, coming to the realization that fuck, this is, this is pretty cool. Mm. It, It wasn't, it wasn't a moment where it was like a red light came on and he said, you were right. But it was just over time. Mm-hmm. You could tell that you were you were
0: right and he was wrong. Is that what you're saying?
2: Yeah, exactly. Like
0: <laughs> There's that dry smile. I can I can I can't even see you, Nikki. I can just tell it's coming across your face right now. You know, just that that feeling no, I, of accomplishment. I mean,
2: a, a lot of you. people don't know how it started. A lot of people thought my, it was my father's idea and this and that, and that's totally cool. I I don't have any problem with that,
0: but it mm. it's not it's not how it started. I hear what you're saying. It was more important to prove your dad wrong than get any accolades for starting the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I noticed you I, I could tell by your silence that um that I'm right there. Okay. So Andy, if you're listening, he wins. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um mate, I've got a I've got a sort of uh on this sort of topic, I've got a little bit of a close out there because I'm pretty interested. Um <clears throat> I know that your dad's a hero. There's no, there's no argument there, and 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 mate, what what a legend of a dude to to place in that position. But after listening to, like, I mean, how long you guys have been going? Has has have you added any more heroes to your you know to your um collection of these guys? You know of, of people to look up to. Is there uh, a new one that's come from the or after since the since the podcast?
2: That's a good question. You know. People my age, my friends, you know, they looked up to Tom Brady, they looked up to Tiger Woods, they looked up to all these athletes. My heroes, since a young age, ever since I started fly fishing, were Steve Huff, Lefty Cray, Flip Pallet, were these guys that my father knew. Um, I would say they, they, they remained the same. Mm-hmm. Th- those guys that I look up to that I consider legends and i i I think the legend world word gets thrown out a little too often these days mm-hmm. um, but you know the 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 Joe Brooks, the lefty craze the steve huff i mean those those guys were the the man they were they innovated they pioneered F- Florida Keys flats fishing that sooner or later evolved to what we're doing all throughout the world. Mm. I mean, when Steve, when Steve starts talking about how the permit fly evolved with Dell Brown and when they've started putting eyes on their crab flies, they didn't realize it was the weight of the eyes that were so, that was so important. It was the, where the fly was in the water column that was, that was basically um, allowing them to catch these permit and get these bites. Um, So When Steve talks about the fly design and when, you know, God bless Lefty, but Lefty's gone, but when he starts talking about the casting, I mean, fucking, I don't know how many books Lefty's written about casting. I mean, the guy's a genius. Mm. Um, You know, there are a couple other guys in the lower keys, like Timmy Carlisle that we interviewed. I fucking love Timmy Carlisle. I mean, salt of the earth dude. Um, I think he's still, I think he's almost 80. He's still pushing his boat around. Um, but I don't think since the podcast started, I don't think I have any more heroes than I did when I was 13 and started, but, um, I, I've gotten to know them much better. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. Okay. I think it's uh, interesting how you, um, you hung on the definition of the word legend there. You know, it's, um, it is a big title to, to put on someone that's for sure. But, um, I think the guys that you highlighted there, whether they're with us or not with us anymore. A pretty fitting of that title even for us who live in australia and I'm sure guys in Europe and South Africa and anywhere you know that are uh, influenced by what you know ha- started in that part of the world would will would, 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 whole, would wholeheartedly agree it's really interesting to hear someone of your position that gets exposed to so many um, talented people uh, that have all got a great story to tell um, stick to that stick to that sort of um I, I, I wouldn't call it I was going to say obvious, but it's not obvious. It's, 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 it makes sense because it, it is what it is. You know, they're like right. those guys that you mentioned there, um, um, have well and truly earned that, you know, uh, probably you know, head and shoulders above many other people. And, and yeah, no, uh, I guess I'm just agreeing. <laughs> other <No laughs> <long> way around. <laughs> yeah. Well, mate, I guess I'm interested, um, at, um, at this stage of your life and, um, and, you know, everything that's the sum of what's going on now. What, what does fly fishing mean to you now?
2: It's pretty much everything, really. Um, I don't want to say I've made a career out of it because I wouldn't call what I have a career, but I'm, I'm, it, it is my life. Uh, you know, it's a couple of days from May 1st and all of May, my father and I rent a house down in the Keys and we tarp and fish and we get a lot of podcasts done that month. Um, I go back to Colorado, which is where I live and I, I guide trout fishing, which you guys should be sorry for me. Um, <laughs> guide trout fishing until about September. And then I, I'm an elk hunting guide for a couple of weeks in September. Um, I fish October and then, uh, the winter months I kind of get by, scrape away. I worked retail for a couple of years and now I'm going back and forth to Florida to get more podcasts. And this podcast is really starting to turn into a business. Um, but it, it's everything. I, I, I guide and on my off days I fish. Um, and then what I call work is I talk to other fishing guides. So fly fishing is just fuck. I mean, it's in my blood, it's in my DNA and that's what I love to do. Um, yeah. It's what I think about all the time. <laughs> That's so cool, man. Um, you know that
1: I, I love it when someone gets gets a chance to 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 have what's essentially their hobby as their career. You know, because great things can really happen. Um, um, and I'm, I'm speaking from personal level here. Uh, I, don't, I don't talk about it on the podcast, but one of my other passions, apart from fly fishing, um, has led to me having a you know what is a career that I find engrossing and. Um, and I, I work in, and you know, I've I've sort of been able to to climb the ladder in what I do. So, um, you know, in a way, I'm, I'm I can really identify with what you're saying there, and um, what makes it so much, you know, better for you is that you get to do it with your dad.
3: You right.
1: That is that is amazing. Um, uh, you know, my dad, for example, he's he's not really into fishing he didn't introduce me to fishing he certainly doesn't fly fish um you know he gave me my love for, my, for the outdoors I, and i love him deeply um you know i'm very fortunate to 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 have you know a dad a lot of a lot of guys don't um and you know it's it's really um you know from your point of view you know i'm not i don't want to say you know make it sound like you're lucky but it's really cool man um what you got going on is fantastic um, can, can I ask you, I just want to examine that angle a little bit. Is, is there much sort of on the water competition between, between you and your dad?
2: In the early years, I, you know, not from his point of view, but from my point of view, I always wanted to be as good as my dad. He always caught more fish, got more bites, did this, did that. And I was yeah. like I said, I was never jealous, but I wanted to, I wanted to get to his level. Um, and I don't think I wanted to put in the time to get in that level to get to that level sure um, which is it's 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 idiotic and stupid you have to put in the time as yeah. you guys know but um no now you know I love pulling him around I love I love being on the back of the boat as much as I do in the front and I know that sounds so cliche but i'm not I'm not pulling the boat. 300 days a year, like Dustin Huff and these other guides. So I, I really love pulling the boat and watching, you know, that's interesting. When I first started fishing, I learned the most from the back of the boat. Cause I could, re- I'm a visual learner and I can see what my dad was doing mm-hmm. when I was on the front of the boat and my dad was yelling at me from behind, you know, when he says, stop the rod, stop the rod. When you come forward, you know yeah i may be thinking something in my head but he may be thinking something totally different but uh-huh. to actually see him doing that from the back of the boat that's where it clicked and that's where i learned most of of you know what i have today
1: uh-huh being being in that learning environment like a front seat to excellence um right I mean, that, that, that is that's totally true yeah that's that's a real privilege man i'm, I'm glad you grabbed that opportunity with both hands um and uh, another fun extension question here, mate. Um, uh, who's a better caster between you and your dad, and why do you think it's you?
2: Oh, <laughs> like no, no question at all. My <laughs> fucking, there's no argument. My father is ten times the better caster as I am. Oh wow! <laughs> like not no, even, not safe. even close. That's, wow. um,
0: that's that's amazing, man. It's how how long have you been fly fishing for, Nikki? Let's see. I would say fifteen
2: years. Wow,
0: well, that's um, that's no short period of time to um, to get proficient at casting and to be and to say that another person is ten times better than someone who's been fly fishing for fifteen years. Um, well, he,
2: maybe maybe not ten times, but he's he's, he's much a better. better. Yeah, he's right, a right. lot better. I mean, yeah. especially like I don't know how to put this, but I I can get the fly where it needs to be he can get the fly where it needs to be but a fucking perfect cast like visual i'm not a pretty caster i don't cast over my shoulder very well mm-hmm. i'm a side arm caster i get sure. the fly where it needs to be and and i feel like that that's the most important part of the game is getting that fly in the in the fish's area of awareness but he is just fuck he's so good i don't know i, I mean even when i'm the guide I fish tournaments with the past seven years. His name's Eric Hursted. Yep. For the three practice days that I have with him before the tournaments, my dad will come along and he'll get some shots and wow. just to hear someone else, like see my father cast and and fish and to to hear their reaction <laughs> is like, fuck man, I suck. That <laughs> when when my dad when my dad fishes, I mean. Eric is like, holy shit, that's good. And he never says that about me. Fucking never. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fuck you, Eric. <laughs> I,
2: I'll
1: tell you, I've got a really brief. I do mean
0: that.
1: I got a really brief story. Two thousand and ten. Um, we we're fishing in um, uh, up the northern keys. Actually, we're off Island Mirada. Um, and we'd gone we'd gone north from there to Marathon. We we're with a, uh, with a guide who was a, described to me as a protege of Eric. Um, uh, Brian Esposito Do you know him? Very well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Captain Brian. Yeah, nice guy, hell of a nice guy. And um, and we were uh, we were, oh God, I can't remember exactly the name of the flat. It's a long time ago, clearly. And he uh, he said, um, yeah, let's see that boat over there. And um, I said, yeah. And, and there's a guy there throwing like uh, as as Captain Brian said, yeah, he's throwing lasers, dude. And uh, <laughs> he, we think he goes, I think that's Andy on on my um, mate uh, Eric Hursted's boat. And I'm like, oh shit, yeah. Um, but if, if it was him. Man, it's it's the loops were tight and they were fucking smooth, and it went a long way. Yeah,
2: yeah. He's he's good, mm-hmm. and it's just yeah. time on the water. He's been doing it for forty years, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, that's Nicky. pretty cool.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Hey, Nikki, oh sorry, sorry, volts. You, you got more Vos? Yeah, sorry.
1: I got I got one more. Um, you know how Dave Bradley rang you just before? Yep. I just I, I sent him a text message while you were talking. Hey, dude. Um, just recording with Nikki. You got a question? And, um, I said, can you put that question in a format I can read out? Okay. So I'm going to read this word for words, verbatim. Uh, this is from Dave Bradley He's one of, uh, one of Australia's, uh, well-known and premium, uh, permit and saltwater fly fishing guides. If you were having a tough day and fish were being cunts, would you rather be on the bow or polling platform?
2: Polling platform. No doubt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. And yeah. I, I I I cherish the day uh, you know I meet Dave because 'cause I've texted with him and I've messaged him. He seems like such a cool dude. I want to meet him so bad. But um yeah, the polling platform. I love to pull. I love to it's the hunt, right? I love to find fish. And mm-hmm. um fuck, when it's boring you know, even when the fish aren't swimming, I'd rather be polling than sitting with my my dick in my pocket.
3: Mm. <laughs>
1: Yeah, cool. Hey,
0: Nikki, I, I got an angle that um I want to I want to explore your your guiding aspect in in regards to elk and and even the trout to a certain degree. But just in regards to, to being a guide and seeing so many people face with that opportunity to, you know, still their beating heart so to speak with um, with elk or, or even trout or even it's happened. What do you think it is that makes your dad such a good caster in that in that in that moment because i mean the the skill of casting is i mean plenty sorry let me just expand on that the skill of casting is a lot of people can do that in the park on the grass you know but put put that put that animal in front of people's faces that's a unique human right is is that is there some aspect of that that sounds true in regards to when you're describing him as a uh one of the better casters you've ever seen
2: yeah it is and and to go back on your initial statement you know, I guide, in quotations, but to call myself a guide, I, I'm, like, embarrassed, you know, because guides to me are these Doug Kilpatricks and Dustin Huffs. These are fucking guides. I'm not a guide. I take people fishing. Mm. I take people fishing for four months out of the summer, and majority of the people have never even touched a fly rod. So it's kind of embarrassing to call me a guide. I, I, but anyway... Um, my father's been, a, you know, he was a downhill skiing athlete. He was, mm. uh, a great football player and motocross rider. He's been an athlete for forever. I mean, he, he's, his hand eye coordination skills is unparalleled. And I think it re- you really need to be an athlete and, and to put your own touch and, um, intuition and, and kind of feel the moment of what's actually going down. You can't, you can't, just say okay fish at 12 o'clock do an overhand cast or sidearm cast put it four feet in front of them and strip it you you gotta it's time on the water it, it's being with the right guides to tell you what to do it's 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 to see that come to fruition and to see that moment where your fly and the fish come together and have the current sweep and there's so many moving parts that you just need to do it a shitload you need to do it for 10, 20, 30, 40 years to get as good as my father. And and my father may not even be the best. He's the best I've seen, but, you know, Dave DeLue, who's won the Gold Cup many times in in, Mm -hmm. in the Holly, and who's innovated the worm fishing with Scott Collins. I mean, these guys are, look at Nathaniel. Nathaniel's unbelievable. I mean, you don't get to that caliber without time on the water. I mean, I don't even know how many days Nathaniel fishes a year. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'll guarantee you he fishes around 150 days a year. I heard it was 200 plus. I can't I – can't Is that right? Yeah, I wouldn't doubt Yeah, but doubt. I, I
1: believe I've read that or, or seen it somewhere.
2: It's 200 plus days. Like it's incredible. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt that one bit. But, you know, to be that caliber, you, you need to uh, – Nathaniel always tell, tell, told me stuff. He, he said, go out when it's shitty out. Go out when you can't see. Go yeah. out when it's blowing 30. You know, so many people want to go out when it's blowing five miles an hour and the sun's high, but you got to go out when it's shitty. You got to go out when it's nice. You got to go out when it's windy, when it's calm, when it's rainy, when it's, you got to experience all the conditions. You just need to be out there. Um, and it's the same as like playing golf or being a professional cyclist. Like you just, it's more revolutions. Like the cyclists say, time in the saddle. That's everything. Time in the saddle. Tips. <laughs> Hmm. But, um, I mean,
0: sorry, right? Keep going. Man.
2: No, no, that—that's kind of my end of my thought.
0: Yeah, I, I, can, I can understand what you're saying there, and, and um, you know, anyone—I mean, I shouldn't say anyone, but a lot of people can probably, you know, um, uh, did I not answer the question? Uh, no, no, Tell no, no, not
2: answer the question. No,
0: no, no, well, maybe I mean in part, yeah, but I, well, what I'm getting at, I suppose, what I was, I was kind of hoping to hear was that um, that unique part of something that can't a skill that can't be developed you know it's it's uh it's yeah. a skill there's something there that's 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 um unique to that human uh, like whether it be a, a low resting heartbeat or, or something like that there's just some sort of you can you can like for example i've seen it before and I, I would imagine the reason i brought it up and and started that question is as a guide you know i didn't mean to i hope i didn't i mean i, I was just using a word that you use i suppose but i didn't want to insult you or insult other guys no, 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 you like didn't that, insult but, me at all i just yeah. wanted to let you know how i felt about that Sure. But I guess it was more of a comment that would um, give, give, give um, credit to the fact that you would have seen a lot of people um, in in pressure situations, you know, for that lack of better terms, that buck fever, you know, which can relate to anything a lot more than you know, bucks, you know. But, uh, um, do you know, what I mean, like, do you, do you see, do you think that there's that that X factor there that um, that might be just unique to some people that, uh, you know, regardless of their hand eye coordination or the skill that they've got or the time they have spent on the water? There's just still that, you know, that, that that ability to be calm in the face of a of a of a potential epic scenario that's about to unfold. You know,
2: yeah, and I'm gonna sound repetitive again, um, and I'm sorry, but I I truly think the answer is is repetition. He's caught so many fish. He's he's seen so many tarpon bites. He's it's like if you've been trout fishing or fished for bluegill your whole life, and you book a trip to the Keys. And you see your first tarpon swimming down the flats, you are going to shit your pants. Mm-hmm. You know it is it is nerve wracking. You're intimidated. It's very hard to get the fly where it needs to be, even if even if you can do it, because it's the first time you've seen a hundred pound dinosaur swim down a flat mm-hmm. three feet to water. It's it's intimidating, like you said. But if you bugle massive elk and 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 have fish for marlin, and if if, if you've done Things that maybe not exceed tarpon fishing, but to that caliber for a long period of time, and if you've caught big fish and if you've seen a thousand, maybe tens of thousand tarpon bites, it, you you don't get nervous anymore.
3: Mm.
0: The nerves it, go away, and it's just another opportunity to catch that fish. It's pretty interesting here, you know. I reckon um, to ask someone like yourself this question. I mean, like you said, like Andy's got a, a fantastic. Um, repertoire of um of, of sporting achievements behind him so is your mum, you know like well both right. world class athletes you know and 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 um i i wonder if um you're answering that question because you know you might genetically have that same thing and it just means more time on the water or maybe you don't need more time on the water but i mean for someone like in that of that of that pedigree you know um it, it might not see it, you know, like it's, a, I, I, um, I see people that just, I mean, I'm sure you would see, and that's why, again, I mentioned the guy because the amount of people you'd see, but I'm sure that there's been times where you go, the only reason, the only thing that that person's like, let's say that these people have got the same amount of time on the water, but they'll still fuck a shot, you know, but there's someone like, um, like arguably like your dad, which I haven't seen fish that might have a 99% strike rate, you know, compared to someone who's got the same amount of time on the water, there might be around 80, you know, there's got to be that. I just, I just think that there's got to be that X factor. You know, there's got to be that person that's um, got that low beating, like, like a low resting heart rate. That's what, that's all I put it down. I suppose you hear people that uh, like um, entertainers and stuff. They can just don't get nervous before they go on stage. You know, they just right. got that, that, that. Um, I wouldn't say genetics, but they just got that make. You know, they just don't. They talk about it and they go, yeah, I, I get, I, I have a little bit of um, um excitement, but no, I don't have any nerves. And like that, and I just think that's
2: yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I, I agree with you, and I think it it also comes down to years of competition and years of of being under pressure. You know, mm. he's I, I'm I'm being repetitive on what I said before, but
0: no, that's fine. Him yeah,
2: yeah. him being a, a you know uh, an Olympic skier. I mean, he's skiing with the best people in the world. He's skied in the Olympics. You know, he's racing the clock. He's been in competition and and under pressure for so many years that. Oh, it's just a fucking tarpon. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I could, I could be wrong. Yeah,
0: Nikki, tell us about tell us about the elk. What you know? We touched on this last time you came on. I didn't know we were going to talk about it at this time, but I didn't know that you um, yeah, you, know, you, you hosted trips for people with this as well. So I don't host trips, but I do guide for a ranch in Colorado. But uh, I'm struggling with this word, guide. I no, apologize. No, it's, it, it's okay. It's a,
2: no, it's all good. Um, yeah. The first two weeks in September during archery. Um elk hunting. So archery elk hunting is that's the month of September in Colorado. Right. And um oh man, it's if you think fishing for tarpon or permit or bonefish is cool, holy shit. I mean this is just electrifying. I mean, if I had a tarpon fish or elk, hunt, if I had to choose one, it would be no brainer elk hunt. Um to communicate with these animals, you know, my father always talks about communicating with the tarpon via the fly. Well, you're actually communicating with these elk. You're 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 imitating a female elk to draw in the bull, and the bull just brings out this massive rah, bugle, and it just lights up the woods. And you're like, holy shit! And you're here with a little old stick and string bow. It's fucking. I mean, it's the coolest thing I've ever done. Um, but so I do that. I guide the first two weeks in September and, you know, typical client, uh, overweight person from Oklahoma or Texas who's never been in the mountains and they get their ass kicked. Um, Number one thing is they're underprepared and they're not fit enough to hike five, six, seven miles a day in the woods and they're drained and um, they have a weak mind. They don't have a tough mental capacity and they uh they throw the flag not literally but they just don't stay in the game and it's all about persistence and consistent consistency and um boots on the ground i mean it's fucking tough it is physically draining physically and mentally draining especially when you're out there sleeping in a sleeping bag and tent um man it's just the just the reward and feeling of getting water in a spring creek or opening mm. up a bag of trail mix to have a granola bar is like the greatest joy in the world. I mean, you're you have nothing. You're living off the land. Mm. Um, it's just. I mean, do, it's the coolest thing I do.
1: For a, for a non bow hunter, I'd love to get into it. Uh, there's there's a guy I follow on um, Insta who. Um, You'll you'll probably you'll probably laugh going there, and everyone's heard of that guy. His name's um Cameron Haynes Yeah. Look at that, right? Cam Haynes. He um he sort of uh, epitomizes what you're talking about. You know, from a very much an outsider's looking in, he um he you know he's got this slogan, "Keep hammering," and you know he runs ten miles a day, shoots ten arrows, or plus you know lifts that he you know his lift, run, shoot. That's his mantra. Um. Is that, is that what that sort of mindset, what it takes to, to be a successful sort of bow hunter on chasing, um, chasing elk?
2: Fuck no. I mean, he's (laughs) just, he's He's excessive. He's excessive. Yeah. He's that guy runs 200 mile ultra marathons. He's, he takes it a little too far. He has a huge ego and, um, it, it turns me off. Uh Uh, short answer he he turns me off but you for the most part the mental um capacity and just the the grit if you will is very important but you don't have to run fucking marathons and shoot a thousand arrows a day and bench 350 pounds no i mean he does that because he has many sponsors and he needs content so he throws that up and people like it and it's kind of gross but but um yeah, I mean, you do have to you do have to be strong um, and physically fit. You know, it's mm-hmm. just the the nature of the beast that you're, you're climbing ten thousand foot mountains and, you know, they say you hunt deer, you chase elk, and the fact that you can't call deer in, you stalk them, or you're in a tree stand and you wait for them to come to you. But you're you chase elk. You you listen. They let you know where they are, and uh, I like to say, permit fishing is a lot like deer hunting permit mm-hmm. are a lot like white tailed deer really smart you can't be you can't make too much noise you can't chase them you you have to let them come to you elk hunting you're chasing the elk you know where they're going to be you know where they bed you know where they feed you got to intercept them same thing with tarpon on the ocean you know mm-hmm. they take this line you know they take this edge you're going to be here in the flat you're going to intercept them at this angle it's very similar and i think yeah. elk is, is very similar to tarpon fishing in that regard
0: nikki would you i mean we could quantify almost for, for a, a type of fishing that anyone would be familiar with around the world no matter what they do in um in um personal satisfaction versus shots and, and by personal satisfaction i mean you know when you talk about the the, the personal goal of finding spring water or, or opening your trail mix pack and um compared to um yeah, you know, the amount of the amount of yield you get of meat, you know, because I know you're killing these animals to eat them and stuff like that. There's no there's no catch and release with this stuff. So what would be, you know, what would be the the the, the ratio, whether it be in time or, or just you know shots compared to personal satisfaction? I mean, this this elk hunting seems like it's um it's a it's a it's a personal war almost, like you know you got to battle yourself to get to get what what would easily be assumed as the prize, but the the prize of getting back. And having accomplished you know a shot isn't probably um you know obviously that's the goal you see where i'm getting with this you know what i mean like it's um seems like there's a lot of shots compared to what you got to endure as fishing compared to what you've got to endure for shots with with elk right
2: oh that's for sure i mm. mean that definitely i mean i went on a moose hunt in alaska this past fall with my buddy and it It was a 10-day. We got dropped off on a remote river 100 miles. I think think it was 75 miles from the nearest town. We got dropped off on this river on a 16-foot raft, my buddy and I from Colorado, in the middle of fucking nowhere. We don't know where we are. And it was a 10-day hunt. It was a 110-mile float trip, and we had two moose tags. I had my bow and arrow. My buddy had his rifle. On day eight, he killed a moose, and... I never got a shot, but it was the most rewarding best trip I've ever taken in my life. I mean, all the emotions, it's just fucking brutal and And I never killed anything. I didn't mm-hmm. get any meat. Um, but just being out there in the elements, not knowing where you are, hearing the 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 howl of wolves in the morning, um, every day you're you're trying to stay alive. I mean, not really, but you know, you're making water from a fricking glacier runoff that, you know, looks like, looks like iced tea. I think I got, I think I got like Giardia from that cause I was, I was sick for two weeks after, but it just, um, it's just something about being out in the woods with no one around and living amongst the animals. And, you know, like you said, I, I never even, I never killed anything and I wasn't on that trip to bring home a trophy. It, I think trophy hunting is fucking disgusting. You know, right. I I go for meat. First and first and foremost, I go for the experience and then second, I go for obviously the meat and uh good times with my buddies, but you know, I don't know if this is answering your question, but a shot, you know, if you get a shot on a on a skiff or something, it's like you know, I don't know how to answer that question, but it's it's, it's totally different. I mean, mm. are you are you are you is the question kind of relating like shots to fishing versus like the experience of being out there?
0: Yeah, I guess, um, I guess what I'm trying to highlight with that question, I suppose is, um, you know, it, the, the, I didn't have the question prepared. It was basically came from 10 to my mind after what you talked about, about weak minded people, you know, like I could imagine them walking through the bush or the, the, whatever, you whatever you know, the bush and just, just going, how far are we fucking got How much how long are we walking for now? Can I have a drink right. of water? You know, right. like it, not, not relishing that part of the experience or not expecting that part of the experience. I, and I guess, um, for, for, a, for an experienced hunter such as yourself, you know, I wanted to get your perspective on it, on what your expectations of a, of a hunt is, you know, so right, as, right. as, as we take an expectations as a fisherman, it might be higher for, to, to expect shots when we're guided. Um, but when we're you know learning a local area or going to a new spot unguided you know you you kind of got to take on board that that expectation of of the of the journey as opposed to the to the goal as as being part of the um experience i guess you could say and i right. guess that's that's what i'm getting at more than more than anything else and then um I'll, i guess i was just opening that up as, as in the ratio you know um right Jordan- right
2: and I, I and i totally agree with you i mean i i much prefer doing it on your own versus mm. getting a guide you know we could have easily got a guide for that moose hunt but we didn't whenever we fish a new river in Colorado it's like I get so much more satisfaction figuring figuring it out on your own I and so does my father so if we want to go I mean just to give you a general and you know input on our our tarpon season we're down there for the month of May and every day we tarpon fish but if the fishing's really good and we've caught a lot and we want to do something different, and we want to go permit fishing, we don't know where the fuck to go. I mean, we, we know, my dad knows the general area, but it's just figuring it out. Like two years ago, we went bone fishing and I think we saw like two bone fish and we caught one. And it was like that day stuck with me more so than fishing our normal spots for tarpon and catching 200 pounders catching a, you know, a little two pound bonefish because it was new territory. It was figuring it out. It was where we've never been before. That is the motivation. That is the drive. And I think, um, I don't know how you feel about it, but if you're fishing somewhere new, I like figuring out, okay, you know, this sink rate on the fly, seems about right. This leader, you know, um, tippet seems about right. You know, I'm going to cast up here. I'm going to let it drift. I don't know where these fish are, but I'm going to figure it out. It's the self-satisfaction you get with figuring it out that drives me more than you know booking a guide and and saying cast over there
0: yeah no i i can definitely associate with that i i feel the same you know i um people who listen to this podcast will know that there's been plenty of times that i've put them to sleep splitting hairs on uh, on shit that probably most people wouldn't consider it to matter but it's um <laughs> um but it's uh it's definitely all adds up to um to what you're saying there and to me, like, uh, like, you know, to sort of answer your question, I suppose, you know, sometimes catching the fish, uh, coming away with, with, you know, like, um, I sp- I speak about this podcast a lot about the, the, the benefit of donuts and by donuts, I don't know what you guys call them, but it's just catching nothing. It's a zero, you know, yep. um, you know, like there's so much to learn from that, you know, and it's, it's just part of, and I guess it's along those lines of what we're saying, it's part of the journey, you know, and it's, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's an essential part, you know, and I, and I think to, to be disappointed in that or to not learn from that, It's so stifling for, uh, for any sort of hunter, whether it be a fisherman or or elk hunter or whatever, you know, it's, uh, it's just, it's, it's an essential part of, um, of getting better. It really is not so much, not not so much, not catching anything. I mean, taking away the observations that may not be as glamorous, you know, or taking away the the trophies that may not be as glamorous as in like, you know, there's no fish here and I, and I can add this up to see why, um, I know not to come back that's a massive feather in anyone's cap, you know, just something, a small example like that, in my opinion. So it's, um. I,
2: I, I totally agree. But that's if you examine why there was no fish or why exactly. there was no, or yeah, that's, that's if you really take a closer look and just say, why did I fuck up or why are there no animals here? Yeah. And no, fish here. but yeah, so many people just go, oh shit, it was a bad day. It's yeah. like, well, maybe it was a great day for someone else. Yeah. You know, and if you don't look into it, you're gonna have very. You're gonna have a lot more bagels in the future.
0: Yeah, yeah, bagels. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And that's um, that's a point we it, it must come up on nearly every show we talk about. You know, for sure. So it's it's really interesting to um, to to come along. Uh, that's where I'm. That's where my start of the questioning was coming around to. You know, was your point of view, your perspective on the journey. I guess you could say.
2: Oh yeah, and then you know another interesting aspect is when my father and i are fishing down there in the in the keys for tarpon you know we're two anglers trying to catch as many fish as you know if we catch one tarpon a day we consider that a great day Mm. just because how hard it is how many people are on the water but we like to rank up and we like to see where we rank up against the best of the best the best guides and so we'll we'll text our buddies and oftentimes we come lower than the professional guides that do this every day and rightfully so but we're always thinking, like, fuck, like, are they finding dingier water? Are they fishing deeper water? Like, where, where are they fishing? Because we're not seeing the amount of fish or we're not getting the amount of bites. We're, we may be seeing a lot of fish, but where we're fishing, they're not eating. So what are we doing wrong? Do we need to fish ne- more near, you know, more channels? So in that falling tide, it, it brings dingier water out. Do we need to fish more in the backcountry? uh Are they dredging? Like we're always thinking about fuck. How can we be better? Because we're not. We're obviously not the best. We're two anglers trying to figure it out, and that's that's what you know. When I say I'm, I'm going back to the fact that we're just trying to figure it out. The the adventure, the experience, the the willingness to learn and and to improve. That's fucking everything.
0: That's mm. um. It's it's um. I'm listening to you say that, Nikki, and and I know that, you know you're talking about fishing with your dad. What, he's, he's the five-time Gold Cup winner. Is that right? That is correct. You couldn't – I mean, what a high standard to be still – like have a, a, a boat mentality, a team. I've always seen when I'm fishing with someone on the boat, if, if someone else catches the fish, we haven't donated for that. It's a team effort. And the way you're describing it there, I can really associate with as well in that respect. Um, but here's a, a combined team there with um, with with – you know, like a, 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 a an even closer bond of being a father and son with um uh, with 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 these accolades that come with it. Still talking in uh, or taking a very humble approach of like you know continually getting better. And um, you know, it's I think it's uh, I think it's a pretty refreshing thing to hear. You know, like you could easily sit there and go, well, we're you know we are who we are. We we we're gonna get the shots and and we'll figure it out. And other people hold us to um uh, their benchmark. So it's um it's really cool to hear you say that, Nikki. It really is. Yeah, well, it's the truth, you know. I'm not bullshitting. No, that, that's how we feel. That's the truth. You can tell that, you know. Like, it's not. I know you can tell. There wasn't any. There wasn't any opportunity for you to, to lead in to um uh, to bullshit that to make yourself seem <laughs> humble, you know, or anything like that. So no, I mean, I appreciate you opening up with that. That's for sure. Mm. Yeah. Um. I mean, I'm going to come back to the um to the podcast a bit now. Um. Yeah. I'm interested, you know, like uh. This, this question is probably uh, probably a label for both of you guys, really, seeing that you've grown up with a lot of these stories. but you know, is Andy Flor- or both of you guys, Florida's unofficial historians, or does everyone over there know this stuff, this history of the area?
2: No, I mean, I don't think I don't think a lot of people know about um, some of the stories we brought the attention to. Um, uh, you know, some some may. You know, the Keys is a very small place, especially Isla Mirada and Key West and Sugarloaf. They're very small places, and everyone knows each other. So if you live in Sugarloaf or Key West, you've heard about Timmy Carlisle's story about him sinking in skiff and, you know, his wife Gloria hanging onto a cooler saying to Timmy, you know, tell my kids I love them before I pass because she knew she was going to die. You know, but South Florida is a huge, I mean, I don't know how many millions of people are in South Florida, but no, a lot of people haven't heard that story. Um, I, th- I think if you live in the keys, you might've heard these stories, but for the most part, I mean, a lot of our listeners come from Atlanta and Texas and New York and they're all over the state. So, um, I can damn sure. Well, tell you that they haven't heard these
0: stories. So, but to so say weird. that
2: we're historians.
0: Yeah. Fuck no. <laughs> well, saltwater fly fishing historians. Let me narrow it down to that. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I yeah, feel I'd weird th- saying that. But. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't mean to put you on the spot there. It's it's weird to hear you say, I mean, the, the volume of people compared to what we've got in Australia. Like, it's, um, I think for the majority of, what uh, well, I don't know, you correct me if I'm wrong, bolts, but I mean, the people that are involved with saltwater fly fishing in Australia generally know the gist of where it came from, you know? Is that um, right? Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think, I mean, we got a, I mean, our population comparison to the United States, I think you, what do you guys have got close to 300 million in the whole country? We've got 30 million in our whole country, you know, mm. but, um, so, you know, I guess there's, uh, I, I'm guessing there's more than 30 million in Florida, probably it's, um, so, oh, yeah. you know, that, that mass of people is, is pretty hard to contemplate. So, you know, like for, for standing on the outside, looking in for an Australian that, um, that, that. That gets into the sport and just associates with people through tournaments or meet and greets or just hanging out at shops and stuff like that. We hear about these stories all the time. It seems weird that someone who lives in Florida who's into saltwater fly fishing may be hearing this stuff for the first time in your podcast.
1: I'm going to jump in before you before you there, Nikki. Sorry, but just because uh, it might might shape how how you answer this question from Chris. Um, Chris, in Australia, I sort of I agree with what you're saying about most most people have been in uh, salt, saltwater f- fly fishing, get the, the gist. But there is a there seems to be a new a newish generation coming through in in Australia. Like Australia's sort of fly um, saltwater fly fishing has sort of it's it's had a couple of waves, um, mm. and you know uh, you know major waves where where there's been big recruitment for whatever reason. You know, popular TV shows or whatever. And I think <clears throat> it is possible, though um, we've seen we've seen a demise of, oh, say, a reduction in print media, um, and there's been a lot more um, there's been an uptake in you know digital and social media with regards to getting people into into fly fishing, and I, I feel as though if if a lot of history was was only presented in in um, in print, um, then then that message and and history can get lost um, over time, so know how I have I'm probably gone a bit off topic here. But no, I, I,
2: I agree with you. I agree with you. I mean, the, the attention right now is in social media and the Internet and YouTube. And that's those are the platforms that you can find us on. I mean, we're not in print. We're not in books where where the eyeballs are. And yeah, I agree. I mean, a lot of, you know, it's almost like fly fishing was an old man grandpa sport, you know, for the longest time. And now it's, it's, it's like cool. You know, you see whether you like it or not, you see people with flat brimmed hats and fucking shades that are, you know, like Ray-Ban style, not wrap around your head, which I don't understand why people do that, but it, mm-hmm. they, there's sort of like a culture. There's a young culture and, um, it's cool to be a fly fisherman, fisherman in general. And, uh, you know, I agree with you on that.
0: It's hard for yeah. me to see that I've kind of always been cool, but, um, but that's cool. I can accept that as well. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for jumping in there, though, Valti. Like you're right. It's um.
1: <laughs> I knew you'd be too humble to point that out, Chris. Ah,
0: yeah. oh, I got no problem with it, man. Actually. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. um... <laughs> But yeah, no, you're right. I guess it's uh, it's it's easy to see instant results, I suppose, with social media. That I think maybe that's the difference, Valti. I suppose. You know, like when when we were getting into the sport like it was always word of mouth or someone telling you there was always a, a, a long form ta- a chat attached to learning a technique yeah. or what someone else has done in another part of the world or or something like that it wasn't so much of like a a picture on instagram with a with a caption and yeah, i guess yeah. a lot a lot of the boom in the sport probably comes from access to results which we've mentioned on the podcast quite a bit but without those access to re- without what gets lost with that instant access to results is the history behind it you know and that's where Podcast coming to, I guess.
2: Yep. And, and I'll tell you our, the, biggest, the biggest issue, if you will, that we kind of contemplate with ourselves is we're big promoters of this sport. And yet we find ourselves on a daily basis complaining about how many people are out there fishing. Mm. Yeah. We're, 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 we are hypocrites. We are part mm. of the problem. Yeah. Do you guys I've, find, do you guys? deal with that issue uh, have you ever thought about that i mean because yeah, you guys yeah. have a huge platform you guys have a huge podcast you guys are putting more people on the water but yet you go out there and you go fuck there's so many goddamn people out here
0: <laughs> I, I, i'm in a yeah, yeah. I, I i sorry also can i just jump in with this one because this is yeah, yeah. i've i've struggled with this nikki i believe me i've never mentioned on the podcast but i've mentioned it, like i i I'm, I'm in fly fishing full-time as my job i own a fly shop i'm promoting it as well i give casting lessons so, you know and um but i'm notorious for to say people know i said i don't fish weekends i'll only fish midweek because i fucking hate people you know and it's um I, right i i can't stand it I, I, I see some i see someone that i can't even like tell the color of their shirt the distance I'm like fuck man this dude's going to come in my spot it's going to ruin the whole fucking day and i'll go out of my way to avoid that but fishing one o'clock in the morning if i have to i don't i don't care i'll go out of my way but that the the hypocrisy of that of, of promoting the sport. I love promoting the sport. I love getting people in the sport. I love people loving the sport. I love people experiencing the same buzz that gets me into it. It's so conflicting. I, I I've never never expressed it on the show, but it's just it's it's one one part of the brain is arguing with the other in that respect. It's like um, it's like dating a hot chick, you know, who's dumb as dumb as a bag of hammers, you know. You're like <laughs> one part one brain wants to go, and the other one's conflicted, you know. It's a uh, you know, what I mean? It's
2: hard. It's I know. It's very hard. I was just wondering if you've ever thought about that. Which is, it's an obvious, you know, thought. But it, it, it's something we battle with daily. You know, and and we get heat from it, um, as I'm sure you guys do. And you know, it's it's a question that I would love to have Flip or someone with that at that caliber answer.
3: Mm.
0: Well, you got me. I'm pretty close, but um, but I'll do for now. No, I but guess, yeah, no.
2: Those are, <laughs> I, just, I wanted to
0: hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. No. But, no, no, I, I hear what you're saying. It's uh no, you're right. It's um, yeah, Volta, you're gonna enter into that as well, weren't you? It had some angle on it. Uh
1: actually, it was funny because uh, the the noises I were making was I was trying to hold back the laughter. There was there was so many ironic comments there, you know, Chris hating people.
3: Um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: people I love people, but I hate people in the water. That's people what that
1: people hating Chris. You know, yeah. you know the the irony, the massive irony of. Of wanting to, to, you know, like you, you want to share. Clearly, we want to share our love of fishing, but you know, we we might want to sh- share that fish or that spot at that point in time. Um, so there is there is a um, it, there there is a massive contradiction. And and hearing hearing Nikki um, express a, the similar um, the you know a similar sentiment, um, it, it's sort of you know something I can identify with. I'm, I'm laughing on the inside and agreeing with you guys at the same time.
0: Mm. you, you got to be you got to be proficient at red herrings you know sometimes and it's um and it's sometimes it's, uh, they can be as obvious as fuck you know like um you've you got to do it you know like it's um there's you know there's there's real friendships outside of the digital world that i have with people that it might have um um that i might have associated with when worked out spots together and stuff like that but here we are on a platform we want to encourage others to to share your results or to talk of of past experiences so they can be motivated to go and do the same thing, but they can be really, they can be really location specific, you know, and, and if we mention that on a, on a platform like this, well, I guess I will be fishing by myself for a while, you know, I guess it's, um, I guess there's a plus (laughs) and a minus to both ways you look at it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know we, yeah, the spots thing, that's a big issue. I mean, we get heat from that, but you know, if a guest wants to talk about a spot, you know, uh, we're not saying anything. You, know, you guys, edit
0: it out. yeah, you yeah. guys hit the bleep button on on spots. I right hear, and is that because yeah. of your guest that asked to do that, or in retrospect yeah, it, after the show? No, uh,
2: oh no, our guests don't say anything. They'll they'll just keep talking, rambling, and they'll say, "Oh, Craig Key," or "No, so and so spot," and you know, after the fact, I, I edited it out. They don't say anything, but I know we're going to get a lot of fucking heat and, um, bad messages after that. So I edit that out. But, um, anyway, do you guys have problems with that? Yeah, you guys
0: don't. we, don't we do. We, we, we do, but I want to, I want to talk. We do have problems with that, man. And that, that's why we, are masters of the red herring, you know, but, um, <laughs> you guys call it a red herring in the in the States. You know what I'm talking about?
2: uh i don't but i'm laughing anyways
0: a a red herring's just just a lie basically you're just you're just just throwing people off the scent you know it's um so yeah we just call it a red if we throw it a red herring i actually found out where that saying comes from the other day but i won't i won't bang on about it but um but yeah it just means throwing people off the scent you know like um giving a giving a misdirection towards and and it's 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 in lieu of bleeping it out you know we either bleep it out or we throw a red herring you know we're mindful of our, our ramifications of um like dropping that spot um it could be some of the, some of the greatest fishing is in highly populated areas it really is and um right you know if we if we do the work for some lazy cunts you know um hmm. then um we're gonna be pretty unpopular you know yeah Plus,
2: yeah, plus i'm gonna business. use that for
0: now on red herring
1: <laughs> red herring sounds like you should google the origins of this you know i, but
0: could, I could just tell you now you want to tell me um, so there was the, it, I don't know, I think it's in Scandinavia somewhere. They'd pickle herring and they'd use a, a, a certain tree to do it. And the, um, the sap from that tree turned the herring red and, mm. um, and it was used to throw the dogs off the scent. The, the herring smell was so strong that it would deviate tracking dogs.
2: Wow. Oh, that's interesting.
0: Mm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that, that is cool. <laughs> the shit you have to research when you've got a podcast, you know?
3: <laughs>
0: yeah, cool. Mickey. Nikki, how do you, I mean? You 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 just alluded to something that's um, not something that me and Volts lose sleep over, but you know, like given the given the distribution of your show on the population in in the local area where you're talking about, you guys get get a fair bit of hate. That is correct. <laughs> and um, and how does that? No, how not does that not if, a
2: lot, not a yeah, lot, but we do.
0: No, we don't get it either. we we've, we've actually broken down the demographic of that, and we feel as though it's one percent at best. The, the let but the one percent of the loudest pricks going you know
2: yeah I agree with that
0: yeah yeah and they don't matter you know like it's it really it really to us we can't we can't put any any energy into that one percent at all um, it's just we've tried it it shapes our show in a way that we're not happy with um, how about yourself do you guys ever sort of break it down and consider if it's worth, they're worth paying attention to
2: no I do I try and I do not engage with the trolls.
0: Yeah, I try, and they
2: they win every time. <laughs>
0: yeah, what's do you know that saying, Voltz about arguing with idiots? I can't I can't remember it. This yeah, quote correctly. Ne- never
1: argue with an idiot; they'll no, drag you down and beat you with experience.
0: That's yeah. it.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I try. I really try not to engage, and you know, uh, you know, we really try to be. We credit ourselves in preserving the history of our sport. You know, it's not necessarily our intention is 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 what I just said. It's we're not trying to get more people on the water. We're not trying to have everybody tarpon fish. We're not trying to have everybody, you know, be successful and and fish Island Murata. That's not the intention. The intention is to save these great stories from the, the the icons that came before us. Yeah. And that's really
0: what it comes down to. Mm. Are you guys going to run out of guests one day? Do you think,
2: you know, that question pops up all the time and I, I really don't think so. Um, we're going to have the same guests on many more times. I mean, you can't, you can't cover a person's life in one podcast in an hour. So Mm. we'll have other, you know, the same guests on multiple times. Um, and then we want to start getting into offshore fly fishing. We want to start getting into, you know, the West coast, the Northeast, you know, striper fishing and tuna fishing. Yeah. Um, That's awesome we'd love to have more people from Australia on all over the world on. I mean, I don't
0: think so. Mm. Yeah. No, you, you make a good point there. I guess, um, I guess the question comes about because of, uh, it seems to be, uh, uh for the majority quite Florida centric, you know?
2: Yeah. We, that's, that's something we've, you know, that's our, uh, uh, you know, that, that's, that's kind of like the sweet spot and that's what my father and I know. Yeah. Um, but we need to start broadening our scope and, and spectrum, and and start getting more people from all over the states and all over the world. But yeah, for right now, it, it is Florida Keys centric, um, which is a problem. And then some people love it. If you lived in live in South Florida, it's like, you know, it's like listening to um, I don't know your favorite TV show. That's it's what they know. It's what they want to hear. It's the people that they've looked up to and it's great for them but at the same time we're leaving out all these other icons that are you know sitting on their couch that have fucking amazing stories that we're not out there capturing so that that bothers me
0: are there any of those guys that you you know you want to get on that are just i mean won't come on a podcast i mean i i think of we were really lucky to um to, I guess to know Dustin beforehand, he's a, he's a cl- great example of that in, in my opinion. Like it seems to me that when I, when I spoke to you the the first time we spoke to each other, like uh, over a year ago, that um, one of the things you said to me, like, how the fuck did you get Dustin on? You know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's a, that's a great example of someone there who's um not keen on, on getting on the, in the spotlight, you know? So do you guys find that there's, there's guys you're like, fuck, we, I'd love to get that dude on, but he just, he won't make himself available.
2: Yeah. Um, there are a couple people. There's, uh, Jeffrey Cardenas, who is uh, he owned the saltwater angler in, in in Key West. He was a big fishing guide specifically for permit. He was great, he um, he was the man down there for a while and he wrote the book Marquesas. Uh-huh. My dad, I think my dad caught his, I don't know if it was the first his first permit or his biggest permit with Jeffrey, but we'd love to have Jeffrey on and he's actually taken a He's taken a stance where he doesn't fish anymore. He'd rather observe the fish rather than capture them. I mean, he's totally, he's gone a little fucking nuts. But I love that. Like, I, 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 want, I so want to speak to this guy. Yeah. Um, he doesn't fish at all. He kind of condemns fishing. And, and then there's another guy by the name of, um, shoot, you guys probably know him. He was one of the founders of Hell's Bay Boatworks. Um I've... Chris Morjohn. Right. Have you heard of Chris Morjohn at all? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah he's, he's famous for his skiff design, yeah.
2: Mm. Yeah, his skiff design. I'd love to speak with him. He's fascinating. He's been recommended multiple times. Um but he is in British Columbia and he doesn't want to go anywhere near Florida. He hates people. He's just he's kind of the same breed as Jeffrey Cardin is. Um, he's to the extreme. He, I don't think he fishes anymore either. But those type of characters, you know, that are just—I think—they're brilliant. Um, little mad, but
0: brilliant. And um, those those two guys, we'd love to have on. Yeah. Well, Nikki, we've hit the point of the show where we've got to run past these listener questions past you. <laughs> oh God. Man, <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> we tweeted. Okay. Did- we, well, I, it was my fault to run the invitation so late. I mean, we've known about this. You know, we, how long ago we invite you on about a month ago or so. So I've had all that time frame to do something. And in the true fashion of the intermediate line, the same way we, we way we organise our interviews, it's ten minutes before, and listen to questions go out the night before. Cool. <laughs> so so this will be a quick segment. But um, let me just um let me just bring one up here. Hang on a sec. Just opening up the emails. I guess we'll start with um with probably one of um we've we've had a pretty meaty show so let's start with this question then okay we'll we'll, we'll um turn it away from that um <laughs> oh, I'm not going to read the name that he signed himself off with because it's um you know it's not cool oh it is cool for him I suppose um Jared Mamrot writes hey volts Chris slash Nikki my hard hitting question is what is the hardest you've hit something with your boat So, I want to apologise on behalf of the uh, level of intelligence our listeners have, Nikki. But if and maybe you could give it a bit of energy, mate, that'd be great.
2: (laughs) You want to hear a quick story? Sure, do. Okay, so the first time my father, anyways, not the first time, but we bought a offshore boat because we wanted to get into offshore fishing, and it was a twenty six foot CV or uh, twin V. It Mm -hmm. had a tuna Tower on it. I was 16 years old. It was my first time trailering the boat. I went offshore, didn't catch dick. I went back, I was by myself. I went back, put the boat on the trailer, and I trailered home. And when I got home, there were four brand new Shimano rods and brand new 10,000 Shimano reels still up on the tuna tower. Oh, and the rods all of them were snapped in half and none of the 10,000 reels had any power pro Pro braid on them When I was going down when I was going down the highway I must have hit a streetlight because my tuna tower is so high up and the rods were sticking super far up from that my rods must have hit a a, like a stoplight or something and the lure's hooked onto the stoplight. When I was going down the road, my rods were going.
3: <laughs> oh, I had man. nothing
0: left. Oh man, you, you, it's amazing you didn't make the uh, qualified captain page with that one. <laughs> wow, <laughs> I was such a fucking idiot. <laughs> and um, and did you try to conceal that from um from everyone else, or did you did you get pointed pointed that out by someone else? You didn't notice it.
2: Oh, fuck, no, I bought, I bought two new rods, and, and uh, I didn't tell him about the other two rods until like a year later.
1: <laughs> Did the drags need reworking on those reels, mate?
2: No, the drags were fine. Drags were fine. Wow, go Shimano, man. It's fucking <laughs> great. Uh, yeah,
1: um, well, yeah, that, that turned out to be a good question from uh, from Jared. He's, uh, uh, he's an avid tankara fisherman. Do you, do you have an opinion on tankara fishermen?
2: Oh man, I know this is like a huge fucking. Uh, I know people rip on tenkara guys, but I know no one who fishes tenkara. I've never done it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like uh, <laughs> for life type of deal.
0: Yeah, that's Jared. Jared. The thing is that leads me on to part B with Jared's question. Actually, it's funny you should say that, Voltz. I don't know, like. Uh, did you know that he was going to ask this, Voltz?
1: <laughs> no it just appeared in the questions man
0: he, he's yeah he's got he's gone and part b to my question is uh, do you think it's possible to tankara tarpon and, and if so what would be the best fly <laughs> i'm sorry Nikki. i really am hmm. like it. yeah
1: it's, it's funny we bring on like a genuine global talent and he asked that question thanks
0: pa- Jared. pass is an acceptable answer as well you know <laughs> no you could totally tankara tarpon
2: i'm uh, you, uh, you, sure you can't land them but you could totally get a bite and hook them if you oh. if, if you're underneath a bridge and oh, you yeah. have one of the black and blue pigleses mm. and you're, you're right on the light line and you're standing on if you're standing on the bridge on a low-hanging bridge you could take your lame-ass car <laughs> rod all the way down to the water and, <laughs> yes <laughs> easy fly, you can get a bite no doubt
0: <laughs> Mate, it's a serious question from Jared. I've spoken to him before on messages and stuff like that, and he's and he asked me the possibility of. Uh, I don't think he realizes there's no fishing at these places. Those docks where they hand feed the tarpon, he was. Uh, I, I told him it was illegal, and he talked about this uh, telescopic car rod he had designed, and he was gonna he was gonna sneak in and and give it a go. Right? And I said the same thing. Like it's gonna pull you in. Like have you not seen these guys gaff these fish? Uh, he went on to say that I just let go of the rod, and then I just hire a boat and go find the rod floating somewhere and pull the fish in. <laughs> I'm just so, like, wow, Jared. You really yeah. are shit. He, he had, shit, you know? he had this,
1: <laughs> this grand plan, you know, Bud and Mary's. He was gonna he was gonna find where, is Bud that where it is? Yeah, yeah. That's one of the ones with a hand feed. Oh, them. you
2: you could do that, yeah, but yeah. come on.
1: Yeah, he was gonna let down their tires so they couldn't leave home and open the shop and then he was gonna sneak in there and tankara the
2: fuck out of them. So God, he's is a it, savage. Is it is this guy actually a tenkara fisherman?
1: Yeah, no for real. Yep.
0: Mm, we we he don't is. even
1: I don't even like using the word fisherman. This guy just
2: hangs around on the
1: internet. Tank car yes. enthusiast. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: No, I have nothing against that. Um, I didn't know if he was serious or not, though.
0: No. Nah. No, nah, look, he's quite the card for sure. Like, he's eccentric and he floats these ridiculous ideas past us consistently. Mm. But he's legit. You know, do you watch, have you
1: heard of that British comedy, The Us? No. I'm hoping you have. Well, there's this nerdy virgin-looking guy and that, that looks like him.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's probably why yeah. he gravitates towards Tenkara too. But yeah. yeah. Um. All right. Well, let's let's get let's get serious now. We've got um, we've got um. Jeff Anderson has got a, soli- a series of questions here, and um, and obviously he's, he must be pretty keen to get your answers to these, Nikki. So, um, I'm going to read these out. Um, so he leads on to say, "Good morning, legends." He, he, I guess he accidentally put an S on the end there because he'd be referring to me, of course. But um, love yeah. the Aussie fly fishing podcast, and it's great to see another fly fishing podcast legend from the sensational Millhouse podcast on your show. All right, Jeff, get off Nikki's nuts. Let's face it. Come on. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So Nikki's feeding <laughs> <nuts>. <laughs> his question goes on to say, feeding tarp in the fly. I've never fished for them. In brackets bucket list though but curious to understand the process of fly selection and feeding the fish would it be fair to say in brackets like most sight fishing scenarios close bracket that a small fly in clear water is more likely to get an eat due to being able to due to being able to be cast on their nose and not splash down loudly and teased in their face without being obtrusive are there any scenarios where casting a larger fat boy or game-changer style fly is more productive to trigger more aggressive eat and do you ever target tarpon with bulky larger profile flies depending on the season and the movements of the fish i hate to do this to you guys but you cut out the first part of
2: that question cut out
0: oh okay um okay so he, summarize it. okay so basically <laughs> okay so to summarize it um he's basically asking you um do you agree with the effectiveness of small flies on, uh, in, um, in highly pressured fish in clear water, and, um, and, and which he, he's assuming there that you will? Um, and he's also gone on to say, are there, are there scenarios where larger flies, like bigger, bulkier baitfish flies, um, uh, will trigger a more aggressive eat?
2: Yeah, so early in the morning and late at night when the light is low, bigger, bigger profile flies, you know, they could be – six, seven, eight inches long, they work great. Mm. Um, when the sun's high and it's a really sunny day, clear water, a lot of pressure, those smaller flies will definitely, definitely increase your chances in getting a bite. Um, the, the, uh, most problems come about people cast to the fish. They have to lead the fish. And when I say lead the fish, sometimes 20 20 plus feet and let the current slide it in. A lot of times when a fish is laying, laid up, we call that, you know, a fish is laid up, not moving. They're just stationary in the current. We'll throw that fly beyond them, past them 20, 30 feet out and let that current just drift to the fish. And once it gets within that water depth, just one, two bumps, three bumps, just kind of bump it, bump it. And he'll come over and sometimes you can't even see their mouth open. You A lot of times, you won't even see a 100-pound fish, his mouth open. They'll just suck it in. Um, but for the most part, yeah, when it's really, really sunny and a lot of pressure and clear water, in the Keys specifically, we're using really small two-inch worm flies, really small two-inch shrimp flies, maybe a little chartreuse toad, um, and then... Early in the morning, 5, 6 o'clock in the morning, if you want to dredge. Um, and later in the afternoon, we're using bigger flies. A lot of times, we're using those big Puglisi purple and black uh, flies. Those things are tarpon candy. Mm. And um, the strip is just a really slow retrieve. Don't do anything special. Don't do anything fancy. Just real slow, long strips. Um, I don't know if that answers the question, but yeah. Yeah.
0: I- I'm going to go on and assume that he's talking about, and this might be a pretty quick answer for you, but I think he's talking about feeding um, the larger flies to these um, to the fish while the sun's high.
2: A lot of times they'll just turn away.
0: Yeah, yeah. A
2: lot there's, of times there's they no won't scenario. Even, if you're in the only scenario is if you're in really really dirty water. If if it's a really hard outgoing tide and you're next to a channel um, and the whole flat gets milky. Um, there's, there's a couple of spots in the keys that are notorious for this. You can get away with a black fly and you can get away with throwing, you know, five, six inch long fly. But if the, if the, if the water is not like milky dirty, if it's clear and you throw a big black fly, or even if it's a tan or, you know, chartreuse five, six inch fly, they won't even get on it. They'll, they'll see it from, you know, They'll see it from 10 feet away and make a hard left or make a
0: hard right Wow yeah well that's yeah that's pretty pretty amazing no look, uh, man, I think I think you've answered his question, but sorry
1: shut down for then like it, would you you know well, assuming it it doesn't depart the scene or you've got the opportunity to cast at it again like does does a rejection um you know, spook the tarpon or is it sort of gonna move somewhere else and start feeding somewhere else or is it gone in for a bit?
2: That's a good question. A lot of the fishing my father and I do, because I I'm gonna be repetitive, we fish the ocean. So mm-hmm. the fish are migrating towards us. Mm-hmm. The great guides have these little nooks and crannies in the backcountry where they can find fish in dirtier water laid up. You know, they'll they'll go to a spot and they'll get three shots. They'll go to another spot and they'll get two shots but those fish are more willing to bite. My father and I are not that good. So we go to the ocean where the fish are migrating down and we know we're going to get shots because the, the fish are migrating south. So um, in that scenario, if we throw a big fly and they get spooked off of it, they'll keep continuing down the, you know, down the coast. And 200 yards away, 300 yards away, the next skiff, will have a shot at them. Now, that's a great question, I don't know, I'm, I, it obviously does not help the chances of that next boat getting a bite if we already spooked them with a big fly, but if they throw a little two-inch worm and they put it right in the right spot, I, shoot, I don't know. I mean, it w- it wouldn't help, but I'm not totally writing it off that they're not going to eat that. Mm. Okay, so here's, here's another question for you then. Say
1: you're fishing a comp and you know you a vindictive or a negative fisherman or, or maybe even a winning fisherman might might take the uh the approach of um you know if you if you've got a big lead or 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 not um you might want to you know make or break it you know what i mean like feed the fish a fly that make it make a decision if it doesn't eat it it shut down and then you know that fish is unavailable to all the other competitors then right
2: you know i what a bastard thing to do it's a big ocean there's a lot of spots i mean they're it's they're not all i mean all the 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 competition anglers and guides they're not all lined up back to back to back to back so it's not like sure yeah i mean some people run an hour and a half to key west in the tournaments and some people run an hour and a half up to key largo you know what i mean it's a huge expansive area but no i i would say no one has ever done that
0: sure yeah good 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 yeah um Jeff's got three questions here, but we might I might ask one he's got a, a one sentence question here, and then we might switch over to one of the other ones, and then we'll come back to Jeff's third and final question. But mm-hmm. his second question is, uh, what knots do you use to connect leader to fly?
2: Okay, so um, first knot, we tie a uh, it's kind of like an improved Albright. That's the fly line to our sixty pound. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, we've get we got a lot of questions on that knot. My my dad learned it from uh uh someone that worked at Sandy Keys or Florida Keys Outfitters, Sandy Moret Shop. Mm-hmm. It's basically you tie an Albright and you move two or three of the loops in front of the fly line. So there's no there's not a big, you know, knuckle sticking out of that knot. It's really tapered.
1: It forms a ramp
2: yeah Yeah. exactly right yeah so, so we use yeah. we use that all and then we do um 60 pound we'll just tie a regular blood knot to our 40 pound mm-hmm. and then you know some people don't like this some people don't mind it we don't fish igfa legal mm-hmm. so we're not using bimini's um or a huffanagel or a cobra nagel which nathaniel ties mm-hmm. we just do an improved blood knot to our tippet to our class yep. tippet which is typically 16 pound because that's what the tournaments are yep and then um we do a, an improved blood knot or a slim beauty to our bite tippet which is typically 40 or 50 pound and then we do a, a Im- improved homer roads loop knot to our fly
0: wow mm. yeah there's a, I should add to this question which i'll, I'll maybe you're going to lead towards but but you have, guys have got a video on Instagram. I don't know if it's still accept accessible. I saved it on mine. I could probably send it to you, Jeff, if you listen, listening, um, where you filmed Andy constructing a leader and showed yep. all those knots. Yeah, a- I'm
2: gonna probably
0: repost that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, then, Jeff, you'll have to wait till Nikki does that then. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's a it's a pretty good it's a pretty good um, de- uh, demonstration. Very good demonstration that. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. Vols, do you want to read out that, that next question? Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: this question from this uh, uh occasional contributor, crazy guy, Richard uh Lapton, um, aka Laprocket fishing on Instagram. Um Laprocket wants to know uh what, do you eat largemouth bass and what are your favorite recipes? God.
2: I do not eat largemouth bass. I've never had largemouth bass. Um, I would try it, but I've, I'm not opposed to it. I just have never eaten largemouth bass. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's one out of the blue. Um, I get it, Okay. So if I were to eat largemouth bass, mm-hmm. I would probably put it in flour and fry it. Right. Is it a, <laughs> is it a fatty fish? i don't really ri- I, I i've never flayed one i don't know but yeah. it, it it largemouth bass typically live in um dirtier water where there's nutrients and like golf course post runoff yeah. yeah and they like sewage and mm. <laughs> um not clean water so i I probably wouldn't eat them but if i if i did eat a largemouth bass i'd probably fry the crap out of it
1: yeah <laughs> I, I caught one once in um in a canal at the back of miami and um we had been we did one of those peacock fishing uh peacock bass fishing charters and um anyway this there's largemouth bass and two things that struck me about it was one how dumb they were like we l- literally like we're on oh, top I'm of it we have to and,
0: edit that out we're gonna get so many haters if you say and, that
1: well, this thing has required zero stealth. Like the it's got like a sixteen foot skiff with three blokes right on top of it and it still eats the fly. Like a dangled, ugly little clouds right in front of its face. Like literally could have tankar at it. And um <laughs> the, the the other thing that struck me about it was uh uh like literally how soft they were. Like they're not a they're not a muscular feeling fish, you know, like you they're not uh they don't feel like they're built for the fight, right? Or is that did I just get a soft, dumb one?
2: No, I mean they they are dumb fish. They're willing to eat. They're really aggressive. They have a huge mouth. They eat frogs on the top water. They're mm-hmm. they're a very friendly fish to catch. I mean, they'll eat almost anything. And um they don't fight that well. They jump and shake their bucket mouth and they come to the bank. Um No, you described it pretty well. It's not like the most desirable fish to catch, but I grew up mm-hmm. fishing largemouth bass in the golf course ponds after school, so um I I like them, but they're, yeah, they're not the most badass fish in the water.
0: They look cool. They sound like a good fish to be able to um, sell yourself as a fly designer to me, you know? Like, uh, if you're just going to (laughs) catch large mouth after large mouth and tell us how good your fly is, it might be. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. They'll
2: give you confidence, yeah. It's a good industry builder,
1: isn't it? Like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, he could build boats and competitions and stuff all about him.
0: So yeah. now, I'm going to tell you something about that guest who he knows because we've had to mate. We used to give this dude a fair, he used to be such a large contributor, and he knows this because I've messaged him and told him this. But we don't like to give him a lot of airtime, you know, these days because he's usually so controversial. So I appreciate you uh, answering that question, mate. But he is. Um, I'll tell you something a little bit about Lap Rocket. What's he calling himself? Lap Rocket 93 or something, Lap Rocket fishing. He is an avid native fish consumer of um of mm. eating fish so i'm sure the legit the question is legit um is, as weird as it is but uh yeah thanks for going over that one um now back to our regular uh program we've got one more question from um from jeff and um here's a bow hunting question uh bow hunting i kind of relate shooting trad bows to fly fishing and compounds to spine slash lure fishing they're they i'm guessing they are both great and productive but trad bows like fly fishing and fly tying require a degree of dedication and effort to achieve results consistently. And I find that I find uh personally more rewarding considering the extra dedication. Do you shoot recur recurves or long bows? What do you find rewarding in hunting with bow? Uh, what do you find rewarding in, in hunting inverted commas with bow or fly rod?
2: I think he's dead on. Um, I have a lot of, a lot of friends who shoot trad bows with traditional bows. Um, I normally shoot a compound bow, so there are bolts and cams and it's not, it's really not stick and string. Um, the effective range for me is probably within 50, 60 yards. You know, I shoot out, I shoot out to 70, but I'd probably, I won't take a 67 yard shot. I'd probably stay within 50 for ethical Mm -hmm. reasons, but, um, I can view that assessment as accurate with traditional bows, um, being more like fly fishing and compound bows being more like conventional spin fishing. I I, I think that is very reasonable. And, um, I do shoot a recurve bow at, you know, just going out in the backyard, having fun, but I've never hunted with one. I think that is the next step. I think it's a, um, over time, you graduate, you want to do something harder, you want to do something more challenging, and that is the next step, is to go into traditional bow hunting. I've killed nine elk with my compound bow, so I think maybe a couple more years and I can make that transition into traditional bow hunting, but for right now, I shoot a compound. And, you know, I think when it comes down to it is how, how far away is an effective fish when you're fly fishing via how far can you cast, you know, can you cast 80 feet, 90 feet? I mean, that's, that's pretty far. Um, and with traditional, you have to get close. You got to get 20, 30 yards away with spin rods and conventional tackle. I mean, you can freaking bomb one out there. It's like a rifle. You can fire that lure out there. So the, the most, um, it's, i don't know how to say it but yeah they're they're very close together traditional and fly fishing and you know i shoot a compound so hate me on that but i think i'm getting more towards a traditional bow
0: fair enough mate um myself and Vols don't don't bow hunt so it's uh it's all it's all standing on the outside looking in observation obviously jeff does so i'm sure he appreciates that answer for sure um mate we're, we're on our way i on our way out but uh one one um One sort of little subject I wanted to learn about um, in regards to Nikki Mill is um, uh, is a little bit more about uh, Colorado. So you're in Florida right now, right? You're you're hanging out there, bit to go fishing, hanging, you know, do some more shows and stuff. Um, That is correct. But you spend most of your time in in Colorado, right? That is correct. Do you ever um, find yourself stopping in? I mean, Alabama is pretty close to um, to Florida. Uh, You know, you might stop off past Talladega and might go by the name Nikki Bobby. Do you ever? Do that Ricky Bobby No, Nicky Bobby <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, no Uh-uh, no nah, Never stop in there and just, uh, you know Start r- ripping out quotes like If you're not first, you're last or anything like that No
2: Do, Do I not. look like Will Ferrell or something?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe Will Ferrell Has never got an Oscar You know, he's by far and away the best actor By far and away
0: <laughs> that Mate, is a great, you know. in all seriousness, man, tell us about your connection to Colorado. you know as, as we as we lead out of here. I'm pretty keen to hear about um, we, we we look We look over this. We don't talk about this on you don't talk about this on millhouse or or much at all at, at all, so you know yeah, um
2: my uh my grandfather, my father's father, moved to Aspen um in 1960, so my father's been there since he was, I believe four years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, he started fly fishing in the Roaring Fork River, which goes through Aspen, Basalt, and Carbondale. Um, that's where he learned how to tie flies for the general shop. Um, he guided just a little bit and, um, that's kind of where I cut my teeth in, in trout fishing and my dad showing me the ropes on where he used to fish. And, you know, there's a long history there in, in the Colorado Roaring Fork Valley that leads on, you know... From my grandfather. And uh, me personally, besides fishing the Keys, I don't like Florida. It's overpopulated. Um, There's way too many people. Uh, I hate the traffic. I hate everything about it. The politics are not, the politics are weird. Um, In Colorado, there's less people out there. I love the mountains. I find myself more as a mountain man than a water person, believe it or not. I love to rock climb and mountain bike and, um, do outdoor activities, love to camp. And I just find myself gravitated more towards the rivers and and mountains and less people. And I'm typically a shy guy and I don't like to be around a lot of people. So I just love it out there. The air is better. The people are friendlier. Um, I love land. I love, you know, I want chickens and goats if I can afford it. And I want to I want to have a little farm and I just want to be away from people. I don't like mm. people can
0: definitely associate with that. That's for sure. As you've heard, that's uh that sounds pretty cool. Nikki, like it's, are you on a bit of property out there where you live?
2: No, it, this, here's the sad part. Everyone from Manhattan and Texas and California, all these wealthy people are moving to the, to the mountains to get away. And they're all freaking millionaires and bajillionaires and, the real estate has gone through the roof. And so right now I'm staying in my father's guest house with my fiance and Mm. we are currently looking for a place to live. But I mean, we're looking at houses from 1970, 45 minutes to an hour away from my dad's house that are, you know, a million and a half dollars. It's just absolutely absurd. So we're, we're in the process right now of, of Trying to find somewhere to live and raise a family, even though I don't have kids, but we want to start the next chapter, and it's it's uh, it's kind of a struggle. So we're we're um, we're trying to figure out where we're going to live.
0: With all the places you've been, including worldwide, including to the states, where where would be if you could you know throw throw a dart at the map and um, hope it lands somewhere? Where would that be to sort of settle?
2: I would say somewhere out west. I would say Colorado, Montana, Wyoming, or Idaho. Um, yep. they have a good population of elk hunting. They have great mountains, great trout fishing. Um, it's a lot cheaper in parts of Wyoming, Montana, and Idaho than it is in Colorado. But I want to be somewhere out West where there's good hunting, good fishing. Um, not a lot of population. Just want to live a quiet life. Yeah.
0: Well, I hear that, you know, Montana's got their own issues. Well, I saw that documentary, Yellowstone, well those four seasons of that documentary, and it sounds pretty rugged out there too, right?
2: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah Bozeman, doc, eh? yeah, Bozeman, Montana is becoming like Aspen, and so is Jackson. It's, yep. uh, but if you go outside of that, you know, um, <laughs> like there, there's some great towns within an hour, hour's reach of, of those big towns and cities, so... Mm. it's not out of the
0: question yeah yeah cool mm. man that well is, look
3: yeah
0: Balti, do you have anything else to to add mate
1: <laughs> not
0: not fishing related no
1: I'm, I'm sort of uh i'm sort of done man uh with with the uh with fishing related questions yeah
0: okay <laughs> no that's cool well look Nikki. i think we've um i think we've uh exposed you to some of the um some of the um the ugliness of the intermediate line podcast as well as some of the highlights uh, apologize about some of the listener questions but we got there jeff's was stellar you know that's for sure he's um really appreciate that Steph, um jeff but um mate yes. we might um we might let you get back to call of duty i think
2: righty, right it's been fun guys and like <laughs> well, i said if you if
0: you ever find yourself in south florida i'd love to pull you guys around well, dude, there's something I want to ask you when we when we end this uh, recording. So um, let's let's head there now, uh, so we can because we're gonna get back to work here today. But uh, um, Dr. Nikki Mill, thank you for your time. Thank you, Chris and Volta. You guys are the best. Thanks, mate. Thanks, thank man. you very
4: much. <laughs> one two one two, keep it on. Listen to the shit because we keep it till dawn. Listen to the track got it going on. Listen to the ladies, come on and let me spawn. Pour your eggs and you go up the river. Listen to the assjack, that freaky nigga. Now I'm mad rockin', I shock and I tick and I talk and I can't stop. With the body Ross, see I got hot like John Stoss, he is Matt Sparks. Pass me the mic and I'll be rockin' the whole car From the M to the C to
3: the A and, and it's a boss.
4: The, the rhymes that we boss on the topic of lust. And my mouth is not butt, but fuck it, let me get down to the rhythm Yes, I get funky and I shoot on my tizz, like John Boom. The X-rated nigga, listen to the shit cause I am the ill figure Everybody's getting any bigger than this Get it together Get together Phone is ringing, oh my god Get it together With the eye listen to the shit, cuz both of them is bony. Gotta do it like this, like Chachi and Joni got cheese and cheese, and I'm the macaroni. So why all the fight? Why all the fuss? Cuz I ain't got no back. Yeah, you know I'm getting silly. Got a grandma, a hint, and a grandma, a chili. Well, I'm the grandma, royal prince, and I'm also a member Born on the cusp, in the month of November I do the patty junk in the case, you don't
3: remember. Well, I freak a fucking beat like the shit was in a blender. I'm well, born,
4: born, born. I don't need to what the motherfucker fools, tell everybody right for wrong. I don't think I'll slay. To do I play like I'm hard, but I'm a job to like I was ever benign. And I've been working on my game, is taxi. Gotta get it together and, and see what's
3: happening.
4: happening. Let's Let's get it wait a minute, Let's Let's wait a minute, wait a minute. like my name was Biz Mark, but I had to do the shit Just let me embark on the lyric on the noun and the verb Let me kick the shit off, cause no, I'm not the herb Well, it's not the herb, but the spice with the flavor to spare The move with the funk for your dairy, yeah But yeah. well, we're on the topic, yes, I like to mention when it comes the morning Woo, I'm to the Space Sh- yeah. and in, talking on the phone And my brain is booming. I don't know where it's going Talking lots of shit, a little tweaking on the weekend, what? gotta get Cause I know that I'm, yeah, well, I'm a funky and I'm a Scorpio, and when I got the flow, I'm Dr. On The Go, so Q-Tip but you want the no mic more. Because I had to talk about the times when I rhyme and when the MCs come in my face, I like mace, because I back em off with the quills, because I had to tell you, nigga, because I keep it under frills. Rest the 191116, 16th I off of Farmer Boulevard, yeah, Boulevard, Boulevard, but I'm from Manhattan, MCA's from Brooklyn, yeah, MCA. Yeah. Rain mantis on the court and I can't be beat With your team, what's up, with your boots on your feet Got the cymbals on the toes and this is how it goes oh, One two, oh my god One, two, oh my god I got some shit, I got the cup food Flipped behind my beat trap, kid. Never, ever, ever smoking crack Back, Back, never, ever, crack, ever fucking whack. Crack. I ain't the fucking pie now, full now my latest. Listen to me now, don't listen to me later. Fuck it, cause I know I didn't make it fucking mine for real, but yo, technically, I'm as hard as steel. Gonna Go get it, it together, watch it. Go to gonna get it. It. get it together, my Just bell. Like my bell, I got the ill communication. My bell, got the ill communication. My bell, got the ill communication. My bell, got, got the ill communication. My bell. Yeah. Ah 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 ah! Keep it on and off. Keep it on and off. Keep it on and on.